Ladies and germs, welcome to another episode of CHN Radio. This is episode number 199, and it's your boy Elijah here on the ones and twos, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and pal, Joshua. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm just happy to carry the carry the, the crate of wax. Oh, okay. I'm, happy. I'm just happy to carry the crates around. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The crates of wax, I, I, I mean. I mean, if you're on the ones and twos. Oh, okay, okay. See, okay, that makes sense. All right, all right. See, see, it took me a while, but I got there. Um, of course, you can check us out on socials at uh, CHN underscore podcasts um, and at Coming Home NUFC. Josh, do you, uh, you, you want to plug your Twitter or no? Oh, you can find me at, at Joshua R. Duder. I'm still there. Oh, good. Still good. live. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering. I got some DMs saying, is Joshua is, still on is, Twitter? Is he still there? No, <laughs> yeah. Still there? I'll, post, uh, I'll post my lower league US stuff, uh, oh. my, F- my FC St. Pauli stuff, and a little Newcastle stuff. Yes. Uh, speaking of lower league stuff, Josh and I were on a podcast recently. And uh, actually, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I was a little surprised. We got a lot of pretty solid feedback, Josh. We did a USL League 2 show together with, yeah, it, uh, with your boy Kaiser, right? Yeah, absolutely. With uh, yeah, Ryan Stallings, uh, aka at, at Kaiser at Kaiser Stallings on the Twitters. Um, yeah, we spent all of last year building up that show. I think we did twenty something episodes uh, covering USL League Two, which for our UK listeners is the equivalent to the National League. Um, so it was below the professional league system, and it's basically like a glorified off season college and local talent league and it's pretty fun to watch but pretty hard to get all of the streams all of the time so we round up the scores or we get some good interviews and uh, we're happy to have you cover uh, tucson yeah that's the local team uh for sure all right cool um and then this is a quick uh programming note before we hop into uh what we've got for on the docket today uh, just got the confirmation from SB Nation that we will be slowly migrating uh, this podcast over to ownership by, I guess, technically me. Uh, so I will have to talk with the rest of the squad, but I do believe if you just type in CHN podcast, like this should be like where you uh, like you should still be able to find us on mm. whatever platform mm-hmm. you might it might mess with your subscriptions, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But Again, that's an SB Nation thing. That's a that they got to figure that out. Regardless, uh, feel free as always. Like if you're ever lost on on our uh, where to find a podcast, uh, just always if you if you're always in a bind, just go to the Coming Up Newcastle website. Uh, Coming Up Newcastle, uh, just type that in on Google. I think it's the only result that will come up. Coming Up Newcastle uh, That should come up as well. 
uh, and I post every single podcast episode from at least CHN uh, podcast or CHN radio. And then you can catch the false nine show on there as well. Um, but yeah, that's just a quick programming note. Let's hop into it. Uh, we got a lot to cover today. Actually, not that much to cover today, but knowing Josh and I, it could end up being a very Somehow. long session. It, it, we, we're never we're never quick. Uh, with <laughs> uh, We've got a little bit of news to get through, and then we'll review last week's match, and then um, we'll hold off on a preview, and we'll do a quick BS meter to close out the show, um, and uh, should be pretty straightforward. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Josh. Women's team is cooking. I texted you. I was like, yo, this team is cooking. What have they been cooking? And is it delicious? <laughs> they are. They stay on second place. So they haven't overcome uh, Durham Sestria yet, but they're on 43 points from 17 played. Since we last recorded, they had that win at home versus first place, Durham Sestria, 1-0, right? So we were aware of that one, but then they hosted Norton and Stockton Ancients. I know you love it. Just last Sunday, and they won four nil. They had goals. Uh, who are their goals? Were from um, I believe Rachel Lee, Katie Barker, Casey Elson, and Georgia Gibson. But this game was also significant significant because it saw the return of Erin Nelson from injury, um, and she was out there. I think she plays winger, and she was just amazing. Um, from what I can read, unfortunately, like I can't find a stream. Um, and so hopefully, I don't know if um, Amanda Stavely happens to bother to listen. <laughs> oh, we would love, love a stream. Uh, women's soccer is blowing up in the U.S. Newcastle United should be the next big thing. Let's get that stream going. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, we can start the campaign. Like, I, I mean, I, we enough big accounts follow us on coming up in USC to like really drum up some interest so i'll i'll start tweeting yeah i mean i, I agree it. it's it's kind of unfortunate like you they they do a good job of covering and doing the match recaps on their end but it does feel like it'd be nice to at least stream in a minimum stream the ones at st james's like that feels like a no-brainer that would like, be great i think at the, at the yeah there's one there's one match left at St. James's. I think they've got, well, I'll get into it. They've got five matches left to go, right? Oh. Uh, with the next two on the road. Okay. Away to third place, Barnsley and Barnsley. Now they're in third place and they're 11 points out of the promotion spot, but they have six matches left compared to Newcastle's five. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they could be looking to upturn the apple cart themselves. Um, when the lasses are away to, and then, and then the lasses go away to sixth place hole. Um, so Barnsley could try to put up a fight. Newcastle can't afford, they only have five matches left. If they win out, they get promoted, but they cannot afford to, to drop points. Um, because Durham has one fewer match. And even if they win out and Newcastle wins out, Newcastle gets promoted. But should Newcastle slip up? And Durham wins out um, there. I mean, that's it, right? So Durham yeah. only have four matches left are still retaining that sole playoff spot by one point, And they play this Sunday versus Stockport. And they will be looking to extend their lead back out to four points um, with only three matches left for them. So it's getting down to the wire. This is going to be super fun. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Um, again, it'd be this is like you said. These are like stuff like this is the reason you want women's games streamed. Like for me to have to essentially like go to the women's Twitter and 
be like, oh, wow, big, big result for us. Like, that shouldn't happen. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, um, especially, it, and it's, again, it's, I think our perspective is that women's soccer is blown up so much here in the States that it feels like, all right, you got, you got to. And then and the other side of it is that we're friends as Americans, we're friends with other, you know, fan bases because everyone in America just picks a team. And so I have a friend who literally watches all the Chelsea youth team streams. Like he's sitting there watching like the U 16s play. And it's like, because right, it's there. Like, yeah, it's there. It's there. And again, you know, they've built up the structure. They've had the investment, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Like it'll come. I, I'm very confident it will come actually. So, all right, let's, uh, let's get into the next bit of news. Again, not a lot of crazy news on Tyne's side. Uh, this is a small, the small little note, but more information was revealed about the Amazon Prime documentary that is coming out about Newcastle. I think none of this is really new to us. I want to say we might have mentioned this to, a, a couple months ago, but um, I think people assumed that it was going to be a similar to All or Nothing, uh, which is the other Amazon mm-hmm. Prime series that really focuses on the team. This is actually focusing on the ownership group. Um, and I want to say this was revealed, I want to say it was by The Athletic a couple, maybe a month or so ago. And we might have, you know, mentioned it, but it was, again, more reports have come out about it. It's going to be more on the commercial side. Amanda Stavely is kind of the big driver behind it. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be following a lot of her dealings. And uh, it'll be it'll be a nice insight into all the things Newcastle has been trying to do. We mentioned a lot of the, partnerships that they've secured this year uh but the new jersey sponsor that they they might have secured uh as well as just i think we're going to get an insight into transfers how they've built out the staff uh repurchasing back the land that was leased to someone else like it'll, it'll be interesting mm. for sure um and apparently it's going to be pretty brash it's not going to pull back any punches so um i'm excited for it and i think it's a good step for amazon uh in terms of just their sports side of documentaries not saying mm-hmm. that other stuff pulled back punches, but I think they just got some competition. Like uh, Netflix has crushed it with uh, with the F one series as well as now they have a golf series that's gotten pretty like pretty intense uh, at at times, uh, especially given the storylines there. Uh, so uh, this this be good opportunity to uh, for Amazon to punch back, and it's about Newcastle, so um, should be cool and give us a lot of insight into the club. For sure, um, I'm all right. I'm a hundred percent in on that. I will say, yeah. uh, um, Amazon has done a good job with football in general. Or, and I don't know if they're a hundred percent responsible for some of the some of the documentaries that I have seen, but they're they are available there. I think there's there's one about Crystal Palace that they had fleshed out and then held off on the release and then released Mm -hmm. after something went one way or the other. Right. So it was like a, it was like two year old information that they had finally released the, the, the episodes. There was one about QPR and their like two year plan. When Q remember, do you remember like five years ago when QPR was like, was take, it was like bought out and they looked like they were going to get, then they like, yeah. So that was really, that was a really interesting one. I think there's similar to there's, the Darby County situation. Uh, yeah. Where too, like, yeah, just one of those like too good to be true situations. Yeah. And, uh, there's another one about leads. Uh, I think it's like take, take me home or something. Um, that one was really interesting. It almost made me like leads. I was like right there. I was like, look, do I like leads? Are they? No, they're not likable. Get out of here. They're still dirty leads. Uh, it's tough because they've yeah. got Americans, but yeah. 
oh yeah for now that that i think that project went sideways they're gonna sell those guys off in the summer well they will because they'll get relegated and we'll take tower adams for sure i to give me tower Adams as our six you can you know what i i appreciate you and you can have them so long 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 story short (laughs) for me about these documentaries i think they're all really compelling and for that reason alone i'm looking forward to this but also like it'll really warm my heart to see the behind the scenes stuff about newcastle so i'm really i'm excited and the club does a really good job like i don't know josh you might you're probably familiar with this the all access videos that they've been doing and it's not even a that's not really a uh a Stavely era stuff. I want to say they were doing that with Mike Ashley as well. Huh. Um, but just the media team, like after every home match for sure. Uh, and some of the away matches after every home match, they release these like essentially all access. So they'll show, uh, they have like cameras on, on, on the end line showing key moments in the match from the perspective of uh, like, being on the on the sideline and there's no audio like i'm sorry there's no, there, there is audio there's no commentary or anything it's just straight up like all of the emotions in the moment crowd noise they're showing yeah. the players coming and arriving before the before the match like in, in the forest one uh they showed like all like john joe shelby came by the newcastle like you know, dressing room and came and said hi to everyone. They were showing that. And then uh, in the match before, when Joelinton was suspended, they had him at the end of the match dapping everyone up. And it was really cool. Like, that that's something that the club has done pretty good, is, like, pretty pretty, pretty well is just giving people access. And so this is just another opportunity to expand yeah. upon that. And if they're doing it well on their own accord, I can't imagine that it's going to be, like, it, I, 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 wow. No, I can't imagine. I, I imagine that it will be even better with the backing of, like you said, Amazon, who's already done really good documentaries, already known for the all or nothing stuff that has been really good with Tottenham, with Arsenal. I think they did with Man City as well. So, um, yeah, all, all exciting stuff. And then, um, before we get into the next bit of news, this is just stuff I thought of on the fly. Uh, one thing of note, uh, Tottenham, just be paying attention to what happens over the next couple of weeks with them. Uh, Conte has just he has said a lot of things and it doesn't seem like the things he is saying are like you know positive things about the club and the players so I would not be surprised if he is eventually sacked uh with uh Pochettino still kind of out there and in the ethers I would not be surprised if Tottenham decide to close out the season given where they are in the table uh which we'll talk about a little bit later if they fire Conte and uh, hire Potts. So that's something to look out for. And then Roy Hodgson is back in the fold. for Roy the boy, 75 year old Roy. It's an interesting one because I personally like, I I know Crystal Palace weren't in the best of form, but it's a weird one. I don't think Vera was doing anything bad per se. Um, I think that team is a firm, like how it's constructed. They are firmly mid table and unfortunately, right now, mid-table is like four points out of the relegation zone. So while, like, again, the team itself looks the same as they have the past few years, um, it just, like, right, it just given that, I mean, they're still out of all the teams that are dragged into the relegation battle, they have the best chances of survival. Like, it's very odd. Like, they, they are completely fine. Mm-hmm. They just had a bad run of form, and... You look at their attacking talent alone. You look at like some of their defenders. Like when we previewed their match, I mean, we felt as if 
they have a wealth of attacking talent that could harm any team on any day, you feel fine with them staying up. Like I don't think they are the three worst te- they're of the three worst teams in the Premier League, but right. th- apparently they felt the need to fire Patrick Vieira and Roy is back in the mix. So again, that's two two things to look out for as we close out the season. Um, the Tottenham one is probably more relevant to Newcastle right now, which is weird to say because you know, any other year we're talking about the Palace move way more because we would be in that relegation scrap. But right now we're fighting for top four and Tottenham is, you know, just ahead of us and we can pass them. So uh, something to think about. Yep, absolutely. I think we will pass them. Well, yeah, I, I do too. Uh, I, I also, Con- yeah, the, Conte shit the bed. That's the expression yeah, we're looking he, for. He shit the bed, but I also think it, I don't, I don't know if it really makes that much sense to, I mean, this this is a long conversation. I don't know if it makes that much sense to fire him right now. Um, he wants them to. Like, I feel like, but he's, yeah, but he's, he's asking he's, for it. He's but... escalating. He's he'll say something right and be like, clearly a week ago, but be like, clearly that wasn't harsh enough to get me fired. And he'll like escalate that. Be like, let me say something that's twice as bad. Yeah, I mean, like this, like this, this past he's, week, he I called mean, the board out, up, right? He called the board out. He, he called the players out first, and then he called the board out. And I was like. All right. Well, I mean, we called the players out, and that was like, okay, well, that's a bit much. Like he's calling. Good luck getting like, anything out of them now. enough, and then he's like straight up calls the board out. I'm like, all right, well, he's definitely trying to get fired. Um, so on, on the other hand, though, and we could probably leave the topic at, at this. I I hope he stays because yeah, he's he's so toxic that it's oh, doing yeah, them a disservice. That. Oh yeah, no, I, I, that's why I'm like, if I'm taught him, I keep him through the end of the year, like, yes. cause I want them to, and them to kill, still lose matches. Um, all right, uh, so international breaks coming up. Do want to highlight the few Newcastle players who are going to be out, um, uh, who during that? this break, and so it's just important to kind of keep this in mind. If you're not, if you know, if you want to watch, you can. I'm sure you can find a stream elsewhere. Um, somewhere, but it's also just as Josh always brings up, it's something to pay attention to injury wise as well. So, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, probably the best player right now for Newcastle, Alexander Isak, deservedly is on it, has gotten a call to Sweden. Um, he has he, he missed the last couple of calls to Sweden just due to injury. Um, but he's been called up and is probably going to play a lot of minutes with them. I want to say Zlatan was also called up. I, I was going to say, I, I thought I had heard that Zlatan had been called up. And to me, that's nothing but a good thing for, for oh, yeah. Isaac to go and, and yeah. chill with him for a couple of weeks. Oh, 1000%. I mean, give that killer instinct. And he seems, uh-huh. he's not, he's not that, he's not Zlatan level like cocky, but the guy, I mean, he, uh, I know Josh, I think you got to walk back some of your, Oh, I'm um, absolutely. The guy keeps, I mean, if he keeps throwing he out is, those Kung Fu flying shin kicks, um, he is oozing with confidence. Like he is, I think Callum Wilson needs to, he needs to be careful. I'll just say that. Uh, I think he's, he's lost his starting spot. I will uh, tell you this. I will okay. tell you this. I will tell you this. I put my order in for that custom name set. Oh, good. Good. Oh, really? What'd you end up going with? Uh, well, uh, Grego and I are working on a, an, an Atrian flag based Alexander Isaac custom name set. And then I'm going to get a, um, a, a black and white strip from, from this year and put it on there. Cool. Just double check that he's actually Eritrean. I, I just, he, I, no, he, he, I, I so. did. Okay. I did. Well, his, his parents are, he's actually born, he was born in, in Sweden and he supports no, that makes sense. AIK, but, um, and you know, 
Yeah, but the yeah. Eritrean custom. But that's his roots, right? Way so. harder than the Swedish one. Okay, that's great. All right, uh, Karen Trippier, <laughs> of course, has been called up. Um, and we'll get to this injury. Nick Pope was also initially called up, but withdrew because he picked Good. up a knock. So that's something to I want him to be rest. mindful of. I think Spin he needs a hot. mental break. He needs a mental break. Yeah, he's... He, <laughs> yep. That, yeah, that's, I want him to yeah. stay at home. I think the new iJedi or whatever the Jedi game comes out for a PS5. Yeah, Jedi Fall, Je- yeah the new... Uh, I, yeah. Think, I think Nick Pope needs also, to Also, uh, MLB just load The Show up. comes out next week. So like, oh, I'm sure he's a big baseball fan. He looks like he would be, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All six so, yeah, foot six yeah. of them. Yeah, exactly. So Nick Pope, stay at home, get some rest in, uh, work with the team, all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, Sven, Sven Botman, uh, maybe he deserves a change of scenery given his recent form. He is, he's been called up from the Netherlands, so good for him. Uh, he just missed the World Cup squad. That was a big, big, uh, you know, big knock on him. But mm-hmm. I have to say, like, out of a lot of the players that made the jump to the Premier League this season, you know, again, he's had a he's had a rough patch the last few weeks, but overall, he's probably been the player that has adjusted the best to the Premier League. I mean, I don't think there's anyone else who, from the jump, got slotted into a team and started performing well. And he played one match and was already, you know, looked like the best center back at Newcastle and has looked like the best center back at Newcastle this whole season. So uh, much deserved called up for him for Sven Botman. Grant Cole, who is actually not done super well at hearts. Uh, I think there's, I mean, that's a different conversation altogether. I don't really know if that's his fault or Chola Moby's fault. I mean, it's, it's whatever he got called up to Australia. Martin Dubrovka got called to Slovakia. Not super surprised. He always gets called up similar with Jamal Lewis with Northern Ireland. So, Last three guys you're not super concerned about. Neither neither Grant Cole. Grant Cole doesn't play for Newcastle. Um, Martin Dubrovka and Jamal Lewis are heavy reserves. But just pay attention to Sven Botman, Isak, and Trippier's usage as all of them are key players for Newcastle as they make a push for European football. Anything to add, Josh? Uh, did you get Fabian Schar? He's uh, Yeah. He, he oh, is. Sorry, yeah, Fabian Schar. He is staying home. I believe he's not going to go out. Um, and I think Miggy, uh, his injury yeah. is going to keep him from playing. And that's brings us to our next point. Injuries. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So Magic. Fabian Shar is resting. I don't know if he's actually gotten an injury. I think he just is not playing. For he's pooped. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say he's played pretty much every match available. Even his, his head needs puck. a rest. I don't recommend he does play video games. No bright screens for a week. He needs to sit in a dark room. Yeah. I had a friend uh, who she had frequent concussions and like she had to legit like just like when she got a concussion, just sit in a dark room for like three days. Like she doctors know everything. Mm-hmm. Just sit in a completely dark room and just like not see screens or whatever. It's crazy. Um, she's doing well though, so good for her. Um, <laughs> shout out Anna, we out here. Um, shout out. But uh, yeah. So that being said, Nick Pope, small little niggle. Um, as we we uh, we mentioned, he's got a little bit of a knock. Um, shouldn't be too super serious. I would be surprised if he misses the next match for Newcastle. Um, but just felt like the you know precautionary thing. Friendlies are not that big of a deal. Um, and Nick Pope being a you know, the clear number two in Gareth Southgate's eyes uh, for the England national team. He can afford to miss a, 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 a friendly window every so often. Miguel Amiron was probably the shock injury. Uh, 
Paraguay actually reported the Par- Paraguay media reported this mm-hmm. initially that he was going to be out for roughly three weeks with the thigh injury he picked up in training. Uh, there were Newcastle fans who I think every Newcastle fan probably found out the day of the match, uh, right before the match, because that's when the Paraguay media reports came out. Then he wasn't named in the squad. A lot of the Newcastle beat reporters then were on the on the on the beat and were like, "Yeah, this is true. He's got a thigh injury." And then the, I think it was confirmed that it's going to actually be potentially up to six weeks. Yeah. So um, not great uh, because he just scored and uh, looked like he was going to be a weapon off the bench. Yeah. Good for Jacob Murphy. I guess he's going to get an extended run in the team. He looked pretty good. He looked good. last match. So yeah. um, good for him. Um, I mean, it's deserved. Uh, and he will likely end up being the Newcastle player that has appeared in every single match. I think he is now surpassed Sean Longstaff in that regard. So good for Jacob Murphy. Uh, so that's a big one to pay attention to. We already mentioned in the last pod that Anthony Gordon was out, but I do think that Anthony Gordon will be back fit by the time we play Manchester United. So again, that that's fine. And then everything else is, is as normal, but the big one is Miguel Amaron being injured, uh, which mm-hmm. opens up some opportunities for some other players who we'll get into um, when we review Forrest. So Josh, Two wins in a row for Newcastle. Um, I think you predicted 2-1, actually, and you were right. Hmm. Um, it's likely. To be fair, should have been closer to what I had said, which was a route. Uh, I mean, I... There like, were a lot of opportunities. There were a lot of opportunities, and the goal Newcastle gave up was really not indicative of how they played as a whole. It felt like a undeserved goal. It was a mistake. Um, but again, like that's part of the game. It happens. It's how you respond. Newcastle respond well. Some might say that that scoreline should say 3-1, but mm-hmm. it says 2-1. Um, so yeah, uh, real quick, again, uh, it was a great match for Newcastle. I'm going to quickly get through the three words that um, people left us because we love we love our folks. Um, Joshua Duder. First one on there, so shout out to you. He says, earned and deserved. Kim Avery says, fuck you, VAR, which makes sense. Yeah. Joe Avery says, uh, Isak was everywhere. And by the way, if you haven't put two and two together, Kim and Avery, sorry, Kim and Joe are married. And they actually try to duel each other as to who has the better three words. So I'm going like to give that. it to Kim. Yeah, oh, I love it. I, I love I love when one part, because I it definitely was like, and maybe we should have them on because I definitely was like one of them was a Newcastle fan and convinced the other and the other just like committed and went all in and like they're a Newcastle fan. I don't I think, think they met as Newcastle fans because that's pretty rare in America to like meet your spouse as a Newcastle fan. And they're <laughs> a Newcastle fan like that doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I want I kind of want to have them on to see just like the, I want to hear the story. Eric Schmidt, our boy in UC Indiana, new dad, Isak's price justified. Potomac Tune says karma's a bitch. Graham Hunter 68 says three words. Alex Ander Isak. Okay. <laughs> which is pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. TR at Rash Trash says happy St. Pat's, which I, I guess that counts. Mark Anderson says absolutely fucking glorious. Stork9 says striker scores goals. There's a theme here. Um, yeah. People are pretty happy with uh, one Alexander Isak, the Eritrean Swedish legend. Uh, he did get the start for Newcastle, which leads us right to our lineups. 
which were for Newcastle, mm-hmm. Nick Pope in goal, Dan Byrne, Sven Botman, Fabian Sherrick, and Trippier, nothing crazy in the midfield. Uh, sorry, nothing crazy in the back line. In the midfield, also nothing crazy. Joe Willock, who, by the way, I mean, if Isak didn't score two goals, that's probably my man of the match. Uh, huh. He was... He was so good. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to. We, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, Bruno in the middle, as he is typically. Sean Longstaff as well, uh, and then up top, Al, Alan St. Maxman, Alexander Isak, who had the brace, and Jacob Murphy. So, uh, and then for Forrest, I guess you could roll through him. Keller Navas in goal, uh, Serge Aurier uh, with Felipe, who Felipe had a really good game. Uh, kind of unfortunate that uh, you know they had two goals scored in, but I do think like. Without Felipe, that becomes a four nil four one route. Like he, he broke up a lot of key balls. Um, Musa Niakate started as well as center back alongside Felipe, and then Ronan Lodi, who is another player who we'll get to in BS meter, uh, who is linked to Newcastle as well. Huh. Ryan Yates in the midfield, who he had a pretty solid match as well. It was alongside Chandra Shelby, who also had a pretty solid match. Our good friend Brennan Johnson, who Josh had to watch out for. Morgan Gibbs-Wright, who I said to watch out for. And then Emmanuel Dennis, who I don't think we really pegged as being a threat, but ended up being the threat for them. And then uh, Andre Aya, who I also had pegged as being a bit of a threat for Forrest. He actually had a decent match. Nothing crazy. Didn't really scare Newcastle as well. Uh, uh, didn't really scare Newcastle that much. So, Josh. Yes, sir. I said a lot of things. Do you have anything to add before I hop into just like the key events for the match? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it looks like Cooper went with the with the four two three one. Um, that's that's sort of just what it, he. I think he he got experimental a few weeks ago, but I think he found some momentum with the four two three one and and, and just ended up sticking with it for now. Um, I think his. I don't think Shelby and Yates provided the coverage that he had hoped. And I just don't think, I think the reason we, we were lamenting Shelby leaving so soon, but we're not lamenting Shelby leaving. If that makes sense, like it's, it's time for him to move on, but we still needed that warm body for the rest of the year. And he kind of showed that he was, he lacked the mobility um, that maybe we had hoped that they might've hoped that he could provide coverage. Um, so that's probably why Felipe was so essential. Cause I felt like maybe Yates was getting forward and Shelby wasn't really covering. Um, yeah. But uh, and also to that point though, but like Shelby, like their offense was so their offense would have been even more stagnant without Shelby. It's a very like it, it's a weird spot for them to be in. I mean, it's the same spot Newcastle right? except for yeah. alongside Shelby, they had Bruno who had the work rate and offensive ability. But like with Shelby, he can provide that offensive spark you need. But you also need like a crazy good defender behind him or you know, a crazy good defensive midfielder next to him for him to really, mm-hmm. you know, really unlock the best of him. And at Newcastle, we had that. Like, he had a good back line behind him, and that's why he did so well under Howe when he when Howe first came in. And then once we brought in Bruno, I mean, it was like he was he was in heaven where he could play, he could sit back and quarterback the, the offense and not really have to get forward and still kind of be in that middle middle of the pitch, not really having to work as hard. And Bruno was going to do all the work offensively and then cover for him defensively. But like you said, unfortunately for him at Forrest, like Yates is not doing that. Yates is not 
he's not providing that cover defensively that Shelby needs to really be successful. Yeah, I mean, and that's apples and oranges. Yates is a fine yeah. player, but he's no Bruno, right? Bruno's world class. Yeah, it, and, it, and it, they didn't pay a Bruno price for Yates. That's so, right. like, that's that's the other thing is like you pay a premium for players like Bruno. Another thing that I noticed is in the last couple of months when we were looking at injuries and and I was proposing solutions, I would often say, well, let's move this player here and change the formation formation there. And I think what I've seen is that ain't happening. Um, Eddie Howe is a patient man. He knows what works for him and he sticks with his back four through thick and through thin, right? You still had the back four of of, uh, Kieran Sharp, Botman and burn from right to left. And he ain't changing that. Not, not unless he absolutely has to, um, or not until he finds the player that makes sense to slot in. Like, right. I think that Newcastle will heavily pursue a left back this summer. Sure. But who not has a defensive ability that Dan Byrne brings, but also the attacking ability yes. of like a Matt target or whatever, or even more. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, like, it, yeah, like he's not changing it unless he absolutely needs to. And I think what you saw with this 4-3-3 that Howe put out, there, it, what was really effective, if you sort of look at, um, if you Google the match and you sort of look at the layout of the the line, if you look at the lineup page and the way that the players are laid out, what you'll see is you'll see the right the, the right hand side of Trippier Longstaff, which he Long Sean probably played a little bit more tucked in than what they're showing here, but um, with Murphy on the right side and Trippier on the right side, you'll look at where where Forrest picked up their yellow cards and you've got Gibbs white in the middle, then Dennis Shelby and Lodi on their respective left side, trying to handle Murphy and Trippier. And to me, that tells a story of how absolutely effective Murphy was at clearing out space for Trippier to get, you know, to get into touchline and to get into dangerous crossing positions. But Murphy was just running rampant up and down to, to me, like if we'll get to it, but he, he is fantastic. Like Murphy was fantastic. And and anything that I had said bad about him at the beginning of the year, that he's a championship level player or what I didn't understand then and what I've even matured as a, as a fan and as a watcher of football is that players can play up to the level if they're given an opportunity. And Murphy has played himself up to a Premier League level. He is Premier League depth. He's a great player. And, yeah. and this is, you can observationally see this through for struggles against him on that side of the pitch. Yeah. And even Wolves, I mean, the, the, that was another match in which I felt that he did well. A, I think that if Miguel Amaron did not score against Wolves, that uh, people would have given Murphy a bit more credit. But I'm with you in that sense of, I think the other thing that I've noticed is that I think so so often, and this is very indicative of Newcastle fan base, and it's it's not for a bad reason. It, it makes sense given the lack of goals that I think everyone expects every attacker who is a part of the Newcastle lineup to be a goal scoring threat, and it makes sense. Like the name attacker, like that means you are an attacking threat. But Eddie Howe views his attackers as as these like disruptors that like their goal is not always to be to, to like, he is fine. He thinks his attackers have had a good, a good match. Mm-hmm. If his right winger doesn't have an assist or a goal, as long as they were doing enough to disrupt the opposition back line, to create space for others to be in dangerous positions. 
And that is sums up what Jacob Murphy has done. And honestly, that sums up Jacob Murphy's career at Newcastle, where he was never really a goal-scoring threat. Like, I, I always ran with the joke about him and the post having a very interesting relationship with him hitting the post and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but he, like, regardless of the level, when Jacob Murphy was brought onto the pitch, his work rate, his, mm-hmm. his runs, it always made that side of the fence uncomfortable and you have to give him like that credit for being able to do that. And I think Eddie Howe, that's what he wants. That's why Miguel Marone and Jacob Murphy, he he loves them both. It's like they are willing to run harder and work harder than any other right wing, right wing pairing in the Premier League. And they are completely fine not scoring or assisting if it means that them being on the pitch is making that left back and left center back uncomfortable. They are mm-hmm. completely fine with that. And I think that's what Eddie Howe wants. That's kind of what you saw with, with Anthony Gordon as well. It's like Anthony Gordon's not a, uh, he, he, yeah, I think Anthony Gordon could turn into a really good Premier League player, but I also think that Eddie Howe thinks that's a good signing, regardless of whether we think it's a good signing. If Anthony Gordon comes in and works his socks off every single match, and it's part of the reason why we'll get into it. Why I mean, you know, there's some um, people are that uh, Alan Saint Maximin. I don't know. Hey, his days might be numbered at Newcastle. I'll just. I've ahead. been I've been feeling that for a while. Uh, I, I want to get you back. You said to- it. You said it. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. You said it. Like you said that he. You feel like it's the beginning of the end for him, but. This was the match where I finally joined uh, your side here on that. Yeah. But yeah I, w- I want to give a shout out to Murphy, though. I know you said that he doesn't get his goals and his assists, and he really did almost get one mm-hmm. uh, with that with that from right to left cross. Beautiful, beautiful oh, cross yeah. across the face of goal. And Joe Cool just couldn't slot it home, and he knew it. Yeah. He put his hands up over his head. He's like, oh, he almost got that one. I mean, I feel like that early lead would have changed. I think it would have changed the nature of the game to the route that you wanted. I feel like there's just a few things like Longstaff off the crossbar, you know, the like, mm-hmm. slight deflection. Yeah. It was on frame and it, ugh, then it wasn't. And I just feel like there were so many slight, slight things that really could have given Newcastle an early momentum that they just didn't get. Um, but yeah, Saint Maxima, I look, he's a fantastic player. There's no way I'm not saying he's not good. He's just, uh, he's just like, was the expression he's like a he's like a square peg in a round hole except for he's what he is is he he, the thing that he does that we still don't necessarily have in spades is um if he he forces a situation to resolve itself and so like if if defenses are playing really compact and it's hard to break down he's gonna run at him the guy is fearless he will run at you until you you either make make room for him or you draw or he'll draw the foul or he'll give up the ball. Like he'll he'll turn into space and he'll end up losing possession. And that's and it's that Here, third thing that I think is the problem. Here's the thing though, is that there are players in the world, and I will name one, and again, like let's not the Americans will probably roll their eyes at, at me saying this name. There are players that do that, but also have the work rate that Eddie Howe is looking for and needs in his side. And I think that's why I can see Newcastle moving on from Alan Maxman is that yeah, like the yeah. work rate is not where it needs to be. And the player that comes to mind is, mm. you know, by and large, again, American listeners are going to hate me because I'm being a total homer here. But Tiago Almada and Newcastle, not Newcastle, and Lane United has been that player where he presses for 90 minutes 
and he has four goals and four assists in three matches in MLS right now. No, he got to play against the Timbers back line. Though, I mean, so. well, the, hey, but I mean, you I know, don't mean to throw can, shade, but that's I mean, a pretty can, you, weak sauce team. And again, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying pure ability and like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he had we could a brace do, against. Let's yeah, do an we, MLS. We can go in MLS, but, <laughs> but like, but but that, but you understand what I'm saying? Of like, yeah. he's a player that forces back lines to make a decision. He is brilliant on the ball. He has he has the ability to score. He has the ability to make the pass. But what he does that Alan St. Maxman doesn't do, and I think this is why the market for him is going to be very interesting in the summer, is that he also is fine pressing and enjoys it and will win the ball back for you in dangerous areas. It's like combination of the technical ability that Alan St. Maxman brings you with the work rate of an Anthony Gordon, Jacob Murphy, or mm-hmm. Nigel Amiron. And like that, I think, is what Newcastle need. And I'm not saying they need to go sign Tiago Mata. I don't think they will. I don't think that's what they want to do. I don't know where he goes. I hope he stays at Atlanta United for the rest of the year and wins MVP and leads us to the MLS Cup. Like, I don't want him to go to Newcastle. Um, but I do think like that is the profile type of player that I think Newcastle are going to be looking at this summer as their big splash signing because that I think is going to be like what they need. And Isak is starting to do starting to get into that realm of being equally dangerous offensively as he is defensively. And I think that's kind of what Newcastle want is they want players who are going to force you to make mistakes offensively um, and impress you and really force you into bad positions. But also, like you said, really test you defensively and really force you to make a decision, um, you know, as a defender. That being said, let's get into the first goal of this. It was a weird one. Um, Emmanuel Dennis scored in the 25th minute. Again, I don't really know if we had Dennis as a big threat for us. No. And I'm giving I him mean, that much credit because he's a good what, forward. He was a, yeah, good, he's forward. a good forward. Yeah. Uh, he's fine. But, and that was a clear, that was a clear, I mean, it was a talented finish. That was a great finish. Yeah, it was a great finish. But again, uh, almost entirely Sven Botman's fault. He, uh, he played a pretty unconfident back pass to Nick Pope. That was not a great pass. Uh, Dennis pretty much just leapt on it uh, and picked the spot and scored. Nothing you could really do there from a Newcastle perspective. I think, excuse me, uh, to that point, uh, Josh mentioned Newcastle had a couple chances to make it, you know, maybe 1-0, uh, 2-0, et cetera, et cetera. That probably would have, I don't even, I, I don't know. It would have made, in the moment people feel, you know, more confident mm. than, you know, we were at that time. But again, we score, uh, wait, not we score. They score one nil. Emmanuel Dennis gets the goal. Mm-hmm. What, what are your initial thoughts on that, Josh? Were you like, Oh, well, I mean, here it is. One, I couldn't two one. Yeah. The thing is I couldn't wrap my mind around what Botman was thinking. Mm-hmm. And someone had mentioned earlier in this week before we recorded tonight, Someone had mentioned where he had come from, sort yeah. of an um, sort of that total football system. And I if actually, if yeah. you go back and you rewatch his pass into space, it was weak, right? But mm-hmm. it was no look. And at first, you're like, "What the hell, right?" But if you think about the training that system that he came through, he was probably expecting Pope to come into that space. To read yep. his to read his movement and to know that Pope is not just the the keeper, but Pope in the, in that instance is the sweeper. And I don't think that Pope 
And this is why I was like, maybe, maybe Pope and Boppin need to sit down and maybe they need to play a little bit of FIFA or something over, over the next week or so to yeah. like, you know, and they need to play as Ajax. And so that mm-hmm. Pope can get an idea of what Botman was thinking, but maybe Botman also needs to have that come to realization that you're not, you're not playing for Ajax now. You and, are. And also that the love, like the, the players and no disrespect to the Dutch league, but the players in the prem, like this is a very, they're faster. League. They're going to, they're, they're, yeah, they're going to pick stronger, that. They're going to pick that they're pressing. They're going to pick that off. Like nine times out of 10, yeah. you could play that pass against Liverpool or Man City or Manchester United or whoever and it and Pope get into that space and he's still going to be put into a position where he ha- he's going to likely make a bad decision just because there is going to be someone filling that space yeah. and and challenging for him as much as Pope is trying to fill that space for Botman. So it, it's something that again will come with time and we have to remember, you know, Sven Botman is still by footballing terms a he's very a kid. young He's just a kid. He yeah, yeah. A kid. I mean, he is, he's, I mean, I, it feels weird because he's a, a year, a, two years younger than me, but he's, he's only 23. Um, and that is very young in football in terms when you consider like, you know, one of the best center backs in the, in the premier league uh, up until this season was Tiago Silva, who's, who was 39. So like he, he is very young still. I, I, I think that if there is a, a season to make mistakes, it's probably this one where the expectations were oh, so yeah. low for Newcastle that like, you know, if we finish in a Europa League spot, it's not the end of the world. Uh, whereas, like, if Sven Botman's making the same mistake at 28, it's looked at way differently for sure. Absolutely. The thing about this goal as well, though, is it was so early in the match, and I think that it was against the run of play mm-hmm. that I oh, didn't. Sure. I didn't disparage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Had we been yeah, bossed yeah. around, I think when we, if you looked at like possession, overall possession. We had like, they had like 38% possession for the match. I yeah. mean, that was that was even evident in that first half hour. And so, yes, that goal was pretty crappy to give up, but I didn't shake my head. I like didn't leave the room finding something else to do. Exactly, yeah. Um, you were like, it's fine. It's I felt fine. very much that we were going to score at some point and likely yeah. still win. And yeah. that's what happened. Um, right before half, who else? Who else but Alexander Isak, the man of the hour, the 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 man people had been calling for forever. Um, just again, uh, there was an assist by Joe Willick, who, as previously mentioned, had a wonderful match. Put in a delicious cross. Kind of a, a Isak was a little bit behind it. Whatever doesn't matter. Kind of really adjusted himself um, midair, and I'm not going to say it reminded me of another Swedish striker who it did. You, you yeah, can it really say it. Did. It felt it felt like a very it felt like a Zlatan goal where just like yeah. Zlatan yeah. and there's there's just some attackers who just are natural, just insanely good goal, goal scorers that whatever position. I mean, again, I don't want to be a super homer, but like Joseph Martinez did this a lot for Atlanta United, where like you look at how they position themselves and you're like, there's no way this is going in, but they find a way to like adjust their body to get a mm-hmm. decent effort on target. And then it goes in. And that's what I'm with Isak. Like he altered his body, his weird, like stretched out, like fan- Mr. Fantastic body and got a foot on it and hit the bottom post. And it went in. And just like that, it was one, one going in half with Newcastle having all of the momentum. 
um, away from home with the away fans. Like, and again, great park that Nottingham Forest have, but the away fans being like right up on the pitch, pretty much like equal amount of opportunity to get involved in the match as the home fans. Maybe not the best uh, option for Forest going forward. Maybe they should put stick the away fans up in a corner somewhere. But I mean, like it felt like a, a when we scored, it felt like a, a home a home match. Like you could hear the Newcastle faithful. Yeah. Well, that I mean we have the best away fans in the league, so that doesn't oh, surprise course, me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny is I have a different you know I have a sort of a, a WhatsApp group that had shared a picture of Roy Hodgson Hudson uh, a, a few years ago has passed. He was keen on a loan of Jordan Ayew, uh, but wouldn't pursue a deal for Alfie Holland's five million rated son, um, you know, because he wasn't physical enough for the Premier League. And at that same time that Holland was being passed over, you know, I think people were looking at, uh, you know, just well, not the same time, but a year later, people were like, OK, well, he's a year or two later. He's he's matured enough. You know, so Isaac was now sort of like he was the backup plan to Holland. Like other teams started looking at Isaac as, you know, okay, well, you know, let's bring this guy in. And I think I really undervalued that transfer. Um, I felt like at the time, maybe they settled for him where they could have gone and got somebody more prolific. And I'm just so humbled by the whole thing. Like I'm, I'm, I just have to admit that right now I'm, I look, like I was totally wrong on what I felt was his ceiling and Alexander Isak is now like in, in conversations that I've heard that are non Newcastle fans, they're likening him to um, a Thierry Henry. Yeah. You know, well, yeah sort of, sort of sure. his ability to come in from the left, mm-hmm. find space, make movements, you know, oh, yeah. feign this way, move that way, his very deft movements. And it's just like, I'm swooning at the idea of having a TT of our own. Um, yeah. And or, if, or if you're not, if you never watched Terry Henry, I think like how, how influential Bobby Firmino at his peak was to Liverpool mm, and how mm-hmm. they played and like being this center forward playmaker guy that really like he scored, you know, 15, 20 goals a season, but also had eight, nine assists and, you know, ended up with Mo Salah winning the golden boot. Like Isak definitely feels in that same vein of like in a full season, wouldn't be surprised if Isak got, you know, seven, eight assists Mm -hmm. in addition to double digit goals. Like that feels very realistic. There's a good chance going to progress a year from now. He may be linked with Real Madrid. Like, Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, no uh, doubt. I mean, we'll be bigger than Real Madrid by then, but, um, so he won't go, but, (laughs) but it's definitely, it's definitely a compliment for us to go from having a squad full of championship players that are, have been on the team for seven years to those players building themselves up and then having players that are being tapped up by traditionally huge clubs. So Isaac, wow, just what a revelation to me. And I think there's a lot of people that would say, Oh yeah, I've been watching him for years. Like we saw this coming. Fantastic for you. I'm so, I'm so happy (laughs) that people knew that ahead of time I was wrong and he's great. I'll say this and lasting on Isak before we get into the rest of the match, but he has been a constant FIFA wonder kid for the last three, four years, a class, a constant football manager. Like, I don't know what they call it. Wonder kid as well for the last four or five years. So Mm -hmm. people who were pretty heavy into those games. And again, like 
for the you know for the most part like fifa and uh and and uh football manager if they're both aligned on a player they usually end up being like what as good as the games predict them to be and so i was i mean a lot of my friends were super pumped when newcastle uh brought in isak so i felt like he was going to be a special player i think i was i am surprised at the manner in which he has become that player i think i was expecting because again you're looking at a video game you're looking at tendencies that they're playing you know and i've seen some film on him i'm thinking isak's gonna be just this like insanely like brilliant goal scorer similar to when when someone is called the next lots on Ibrahimovic, you think they they're going to play similar to Zlatan like you mm-hmm. think they're going to just score goals any way shape or form and Isak has done that to an extent but I've just been so impressed with his ability on the ball I mean the disallowed goal I think it, again we're going to talk about it in a second so give us some time mm-hmm. the disallowed goal where Isak is on the ground receives the ball on the ground and proceeds to mega player and put in a ball that ends up being an assist. That is absurd. And it's just like, that's the kind of stuff that I wasn't expecting from a number nine. I wasn't expecting that from a number nine that Newcastle brought in. So um, I, I feel like I, even though I was high on Isak from the start, I feel like I'm like, he's proven me wrong. So um all that to say, uh, moving on uh, at the at halftime, Newcastle made a substitution. It was an interesting one. Um, by all means, Elliot Anderson came on for Alan St. Maximin. And at that moment, I think I was finally like, oh, wow, this could be the last season of Alan St. Maximin in Newcastle because he was not playing particularly well this match. And I don't know if you agree or disagree with me, Josh. I'd love to hear your thoughts excuse me, wasn't playing particularly well this match and then got subbed off at halftime. So when you saw that sub, kind of what was your your thought uh, regarding Alan St. Maxman in, percent, in, in particular? A couple of two things. Like one, anonymous. I don't I don't think he, he played poorly. He just wasn't, yeah. he, he just didn't show up. Yeah, and, and that's sort of the story of his year this year is like, mm-hmm. I think that the system doesn't suit him. So he'll yeah. have moments um to shine and and that's sort of how he appears anyway he he plays in, within moments and he kind of exp- and that's how, what he's done for the last few years is exploded for a goal or a really exciting end to end play and something that gets the crowd on their feet and that's great um and i think that that's going to be a selling point for whoever buys him probably mm-hmm. let's be honest like i think he's gone from courting liverpool in Manchester United to Aston Villa is probably going to buy. He's he's to me, he's a West Ham player. Do you know what I mean? Like West Ham, West Ham will buy him without any account for what's happened this year. Everton, if they stay up, they'll buy him without considering what, like why he's for sale and they will overpay for him and he'll, and he'll move on and do good things. Like he's not a, he's not a, he's not a bad player, but I think what you're going to see from Eddie Howe is, um, is he's not going to say a word against him. Um, one, because he's still his his player and he's a valued asset of the club. But also because I think there might be a design to sell him on. And why would you badmouth something that you're trying to sell on for money, right? So we'll, we'll, you'll continue to see him trying to give him uh, moments to shine, get him out there to play. He's still a really talented player, but I wouldn't expect... Um, 
and obviously I, I still I would play Saint Maximin over Anderson. Like I would start him over Anderson. So he's still to me, he's still got lots of value, but he to he's not a long term. He won't be here next year. Yeah. Uh, I would say I think there is maybe a part of Eddie Howe that thinks that he you know that I can change him type mentality. Um I think there's a little bit of that of the pieces are there for ASM to really be a force in this system, mm. but the bare minimum that Eddie Howe asks of his players, which is to work hard and be, you know, defensive stalwarts. Like, honestly, Maxwell just hasn't done that this season. And I think, like, how how much more opportunities do you give him to to press and and win the ball back and really be selfless when? I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Ellie Anderson came in and had a much, he had a better 45 minutes than Alan St. Maxman did. He had a goal, he, he that's just, for sure. I mean, he had a goal. I mean, and even then, five minutes in, 49th minute. I mean, he had a shot on target that forced Navas into a pretty, you know, a, a save that kind of caught him off guard. So, again, uh, it, it's an odd one because at the same time as Alan St. Maxman is starting to, you kind of know what you're going to get with his performances. Like you said, every so often he might do something that results in a goal. Ellie Anderson starting to pop into the uh, pop on the radar as and uh, as a legitimate option. And he's taking advantage of the fact that Anthony Gordon is not available. And Alan St. Maxman's spot isn't as safe as it potentially could be. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you think about, how well Joe Willick and Joe Ellenson play together. It, it, it does ask some questions when you talk about uh, defensively, like what Newcastle want to do, like is Alan Tim Axman the answer at left wing? It's tough. So um, we'll get into Ellie Anderson right now. So I, I already mentioned he had a shot on target. Uh, nice little, nice little, I want to say it was a volley that stung the, uh, the keepers gloves as, as they like to say. Um, and then we thought he scored. Uh, Elliot Anderson Mm. gets a ball, like I mentioned earlier. It was a very odd sequence in which Alexander Isak was on the ground, got up, received the ball while he was on the ground, got up, Uh begged the player, and then whipped in a delicious cross into Alexander Isak. Kind of how the whole thing happened was there was a ball put in that was sort of halfway cleared uh, to Niakate, who I'm just going to say Niakate cleared it, and it hit off of Sean Longstaff and ended up at the feet of Alexander Isak. Yeah. Isak all in. Ellie Anderson scored pretty great header. Uh, VAR looked at it, deemed that uh, Sean Longstaff was offside, said that the, 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 the move from Niakate was not a deliberate move that uh, would have typically resulted in Niakate being awarded possession and, him playing it off of Longstaff would not have been offside. It's such a weird shout because if you watch Niakate, he's clearly trying to put it past the end line. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's, no, it's it's a clear. I mean, he's like, not he's not he's not line. striking a rock solid. I just don't think that he expected Longstaff to be there, and he was just putting oh, it out. Exactly, and so that I think we're on the same page there. I don't know if there's really much more we can say. I think, I mean, Alan Shearer made his his point known. Um, I think. There were former Premier League refs who weighed in on it and agreed that it should have been, it should have stood. People in the studio thought it should have stood. Uh, the commentators thought it should have stood. It was just an odd goal that VAR ruled out. And um, I think if this match did not end in two one, it would have been just 
absolute bedlam from the Newcastle fan base going after the uh, Premier League refs. But um, all that to say doesn't matter because at the end of it all, in the 93rd minute, uh, Newcastle won a pin. Um, again, Niakate, same guy. Same who, guy. What same is he guy. doing? He's just he, sticking his little left hand up there. Yeah. He, what he goes dude. up. He goes up to. Uh, he goes up to challenge a header uh, that Isak was also challenging for, and just has his arm straight up in the air. And of course, it hits his arm. And again, it's it's incidental, but your intent is to. He knows. I mean, like he, he knows the, what he's doing. The first he, thing he does he, is he comes down and he puts his head in his hands. You know, like oh, he yeah, knows exactly. what he did. He's like Fuck. he knows what he's doing. He 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 kind of you know. Again, we don't need to go super into the details, but it's a stone wall penalty, uh, yeah. especially given the handball rules. Uh, we had a little bit of shithousery. Uh, Kieran Trippier did did the take the ball and pretend like he's taking you know what the I really appreciated. I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what I really appreciated. Um, someone had referred to it as anti shithousery, and I think what you saw was you saw uh, uh, Kaylor Navas. I think he was. I think he was being a shithouse, a shithouser. Oh, yeah. Who is one yeah. that performs? What is what is one called that performs? Oh, it's a shithouser, but it, it, he was, it's, he it's was shit. being he was being the shithouser, and I think what you saw was that wry smile from from Kieran Trippier, who was like, "Okay, we'll we'll play your we'll play your stupid little games," you know? Yeah, and, and you play. We'll play some. We like to. We're up for. We like to call them fuck fuck games. Oh, we'll play your fuck fuck games. Yeah, and so he held on to that ball. And then casually gave that over, right? So I like that. That wasn't that was anti shithousery. That was like a reaction to shithousery. I call it shithousery because the player does it knowing what the other team is going to do. So I, I mean, maybe it is anti shithousery. Uh, I just but all, know, all still in the US same category. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's all the same to me. It's like everyone's doing their own version of it. Um, U.S. men's national team does this um, fairly frequently, actually. That's kind of like. Something they've picked up. Um, Kellen Acosta is probably the biggest. Again, this makes no one in the UK cares, but Kellen Acosta famously does this, where he makes sure that like you never know who's taking the pen for the US men's national team, unless Pulisic goes in his whole Captain America. I'm mm. I'm the face of the franchise mode and just like, grabs the ball. But like mm. they do, they are very deliberate about like passing the ball off to different players just to like just so that. Y- the 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 other the other team can't like try to get in the head of whoever's taking the free kick or that free kick the PK and at the end of it like right before the ref is blowing the whistle you'll see who takes it and so when I saw Karen Trippier I mean it kind of had me fooled because Karen Trippier does take set pieces and Callum Wilson who is Newcastle's penalty taker normally wasn't on the pitch uh, so it kind of had me fooled oh I, yeah he wasn't on the pitch uh, it kind of had me fooled but then I kind of saw I saw how he was holding the ball and I was like oh this is this is I've seen this this before um and yeah like like we said again it was kind of new to a lot of Newcastle fans and English fans in general um it, it, it's again do you remember where Trippier played before he played with Diego Simeone which I hope I'm saying his name right Who's, Simeone Simeone, yes, who is a king of shithousery and yes. mind games and whatever. So, again, like, it's not – I'm not surprised it was Karen Trippier doing that. Um, I think people were surprised it happened. I've seen it before multiple times at all in the American, you know, whether it's U.S. Men's National Team or if it's MLS. Like, I've seen it a ton. So, I was like, okay, I know what exactly what's going on here. 
Regardless, Isak steps up, smashes the pin. Newcastle win 2-1. Yeah, so that that was a match. Um, It's one of those, just living here in Oregon, USA, mm. I I don't know that I will ever experience what, what those away fans experienced. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, like I've gone, I've gone to away matches for my team here, and that's great, it's spectacular, it's a good feeling. But I just that was otherworldly. Mm-hmm. The reaction by the away support for Newcastle. I mean, yeah, Isak was mobbed. Like he tried yeah. to just like celebrate the fans, and he was like legitimately mobbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would yeah, love I mean, one day. One day, like that's that's on my bucket list. I don't know if I'll get to it, but that's on my list. Yeah, same, same. So yeah, uh, to sum everything up, Newcastle did win. Much deserved win, I will say. Uh, that and the Wolves match gives me hope that Newcastle could really make a legitimate top four push. Um, I think I saw enough in in the attack to really like give me confidence that Newcastle can score, you know, at least two goals a match mm-hmm. uh, down the road. I mean, I think before we talked about it a ton of this pod, so I'm not, I'll spare you the details. Definitely plenty of moments where it was very evident that it did not look like Newcastle were going to score more than one goal. That's not the case anymore. Um, I also think part of it is like Isak is really good. And I think he is only going to get better. Mm. And I think that, uh, like guys like Botman are going to put this behind them and be fine. And I think Jacob Murphy has looked really good. He's going to continue to get better. And I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there, Josh. I would not be surprised if Elliot Anderson becomes a somewhat regular in this side, because it's really hard to justify not playing him when he genuinely like in that second half, might have been one of Newcastle's best players top to bottom. Yeah. And like just straight up, like he was incredibly involved in the attack. He obviously scored was, you know, not, it was ruled that it wasn't a goal, but it was a goal. It was a straight up goal. Um, He scored. He was just, he had multiple chances. He created for others. Like, and he looked, he looked comfortable and competent against premier league talent. And, when you're looking at young players that came through the academy, like that's ultimately what you want, and that's what you got with Lee Anderson. So I'm excited to see how this season shakes out, just because I'm curious about this battle and attack. I think we're kind of set everywhere else, but I'm curious as like who is going to nail down that left wing spot because we've seen some moments from ASM this season, as you alluded to. We've seen some moments from Joelinton and Joe Willick on that left hand side. And now we're starting to see a, a few moments from Ellie Anderson, and it's really making me wonder, like, what are Newcastle going to do uh, to close out the season? Like, so I'm excited. Yeah, and we've got two weeks. Now, remember, it's it's two weeks and two days from the last match that they played, which was on a Friday, right? So, mm-hmm. yep. Even though you know we don't we don't think much of that as we're you know recording as a reaction to that, that's two additional days of rest. Mm-hmm. that their you know that their next opponent um may not have had right so exactly and and so in that time we still could get gordon back we'll see we'll see yeah we'll see you know and uh, yeah and we could get craft 
I, I don't I don't know how far along he is. Like uh, I I think Kraft Kraft wasn't named on the Premier League roster for this se- for the second half of the season. So he's I just not. He's just out. He's just yeah, out. He's, out. He's, he's okay. Out, yeah. Even if he's better, he's just he's just chilling at home yeah, playing he's done. Uh, the but show. Things of um, note is Harrison Ashby's been training with the first team. Matt Target is is back in the fold. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know that's a little bit different considering Dan Byrne has looked good, but it's important to recognize because like we said earlier, we don't know what could happen over the national break. It's and we're getting full to get full health, to get full health, like coming into this home stretch. Now we've got, yeah. I think 11 matches left, six of which are on the road. Yeah. Um, that's five left at home uh, to put sort of put your stamp down. I think the first one that I've got circled is that revenge match against mm-hmm. Manchester United. You know, I mean, you, yeah, you can't really United who are still involved in other competitions. As yeah. Well, and to, they like haven't Europa really shown a lot of, they haven't shown a lot of strength in their league matches as of late mm-hmm. either, but this break could do them well too. I think that April 2nd match is going to be a really, it's going to be a barometer of how this home stretch is going to go. Should we beat Manchester United? Should we do so? And we'll do a much better review. That that is a key. That is a key match for us. A result that day really determines the trajectory for for a Europe position. I think it's still I think it's still up for grabs. And I think also what happens with Conte at, at Tottenham should they start to to flounder and do really poorly? I mean, there's anything's up. So getting all that full health and having other teams struggle, you know, we we still have one against Arsenal at home. Yeah. Oh man, that's going to be lit. That's going to yeah. be that's going to be big. Yeah. It's 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 shaping up to be an exciting uh finish of the season. And again, uh not not only for Newcastle, but I mean, season as a whole, I mean, it does feel like Arsenal's got the league on lock, but who knows? It is still Arsenal. They could, still could blow it, but the bottom of the table is just looking gnarly, and that's going to be one to watch. It's it's exciting. It's exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on, Josh, I do want to get who is your player of the match? Who who do you think deserves it? Jacob Murphy. Just put it in the net. Just okay. put it in the net. Yeah. It was it was Jacob Murphy. I uh, that guy has just grown by leaps and bounds. He's really grown into his into his role as a Newcastle United player. Whether he's got a start. Or if he's or or if he gets the privilege of coming on later in a match, that guy's he's fantastic. Uh, he looked great out there. He really gave uh, the 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 left side of a Forest fits, um, and I think his his contribution is really led to uh, to making uh, Isaac and and Willick look super fantastic. Yeah, I I would have to agree with with Jacob Murphy deserving all the credit. I think. Uh, he's a player who Eddie Howe has already mentioned this, like just, he, he doesn't care. He just wants to come in and help the team win. And those are the types of players you want to keep around. It's kind of part of the reason I think like him and Almiron will stick around until they genuinely are just not producing because they both seem to have that mentality of it doesn't matter if I'm starting or if I'm coming off the bench, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to help the team win. And I think that is valued at Newcastle. For sure. Um, so, uh, but I will obviously. I mean, you you gave the you gave the less obvious answer, so I have to give the obvious answer. Alexander Isak. He had a brace. He now is. I think he's got six goals on the year. He's he's on pace with Holland in terms of technically like goals per per you know goals per match or goals per hundred minutes or whatever your advanced metrics want to tell you. So 
yeah, I mean, he was great. It, it, there are no ands, ifs, or buts about it. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, this does leave Newcastle right now in fifth with a game in hand behind Tottenham. They have two points behind them. So a win against uh, Manchester United, uh, as we'll, you know, again, we're, we're not going to get into that to, in this episode. But a win against Manchester United would actually put them in third because they've got the goal differential on Manchester United. So that's a that's a it becomes a very important match as Josh. It's all to. to play for. It's it's everything to play for. It's it's exactly the type of match that you want uh, you want as a manager. And with that extended break and having the majority of your team still in Newcastle for it, like it is the match that you're you're talking to all your players about. So real quick, Josh, um, moving on just, just slightly to close things out. I have a couple of, uh, a couple of guys on the BS meter for you. Okay. Um, I might have one for you too. Oh, okay. I might have one for you too. We'll see what, I want to see what you have and then, and then I'll run one by you if you don't bring it up. All right. We're going to start with one that I think we might've mentioned before, but Marcus Toram is back on the Newcastle radar potential attacker that Newcastle are bringing in thoughts on this. He's a fantastic player. It was a uh, uh-huh. Borussia Mönchengladbach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and of I'd course, l- French national team kind of oh, plays. I'd want to say left wing and center forward. So, yeah, uh, no, and, and think about it. I mean, if if we're talking about ASM being sold, uh, and you have Marcus Taram come in, does does he play center or does he play left? Um, you know, and so I think it's a great problem to have to try to resolve where he would play with Isak. If the money's there, and I th- I think where we finish in a European spot will really determine if we could play, if we could sign a player like him, you know? I yeah. think that one, will they spend the money? Well, yeah, if we're in, if we're in a Champions League spot, you bet your bottom dollar they're going to spend the money on a player like him. Um, but also that's because we have the potential to bring that money back into the system to, to sort of like justify the cost. Uh, and also I think with that on, uh, you know, with that in the offing, I think it's, it's, uh, it's entirely in the realm of possibility. I will say this. It does seem like Newcastle are going to be splashing the cash for an attacking player this off season. And just based on, I mean, it, we'll, we'll go through the list, but it does seem like there will be a left-sided player who like, like likely player who can play on the left. We'll say, we'll leave it at that who will be coming in for Newcastle. Um, like, it just, it, it all of the signs are pointing to it. Uh, I do think, like you said with Taram, I think the, the advantage for Newcastle with him is that it does seem like out of all the teams, Newcastle's the one that's been committed to him, that has been linked to him the most, and is the clearest path for him to playing consistently for a team that is a quality team in the Premier League. Uh, it does feel like his goal seems to be Premier League. And again, this is all speculation, so you can ignore everything I'm saying if you're a listener. Um, but it does seem like his goal is Premier League football and likely European football. So if not Newcastle, maybe a top top uh, Italian side. You look at all of the Italian sides right now that are uh, Italian or German sides right now that are that are looking at Champions League places. They all are pretty set at attacking positions. I mean, I think Napoli have two of the best attackers, like best, most informed attackers in the world right now. So, like, you know, AC Milan, again, they've got great attackers, maybe one that we'll touch on in this list. I mean, it just seems like the best fit for him right now if he's trying to make the next step 
is Newcastle. So we'll see. Uh, next one up, Brahim Diaz, the Real Madrid uh, player who's on loan to AC Milan right now, wearing the number 10 shirt. Mm. He has been linked to Newcastle. Um, again, he's a he's another player who likely looking for Champions League level football, but also in a weird spot as his parent club, uh, Real Madrid, um, are pretty set in, in attack right now. They've got two of the best young attackers in the world. And then the club he's on loan to AC Milan, kind of a down year for them as well as, uh, I mean, they are another uh, Italian side in which they, they're pretty loaded attack as well. So this is an interesting one for sure. Uh, I don't know what to think of him. I haven't watched enough of Real Madrid, but I wonder if he would be taking up to the same space as Bruno in the, in the, in the attacking portion of the midfield. Um, now Bruno would play more of an eight, right? And yeah. do we and do we currently even have a ten? Um, yeah, and I think with Diaz though, I I do think that like the plan would be to similar to, like a James Madison uh, type of thing where you just kind of play him anywhere in attack, and you either change your system to suit him and let him roam, you know, make him a ten, or you kind of just put him out wide and say, hey, like similar to ASM, but maybe the work rate's a little bit better. Or maybe, you know, that kind of thing of like you just play him at the left or right and just kind of, like you said, let him do whatever he wants, allow him to find spaces to exploit. So it's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for all the same reasons that I would, that I was saying about Taram, like it's, I'm not even like blown away by any being linked to these players at this point because we, we know the money's there. So that's not the, that's not yeah. really it's it's just really does the team finish in a in a place in the table where a player of that level looks at Newcastle as a as a as a home you know long term project where they can get yeah. in and play European football because if we don't finish if we finish you know eighth that's a great finish that's what my expectation was but that's not going to attract these level players yeah and i also think to that same point like there are players that I think you don't have a chance at unless you're in Champions League football. I think you can convince a Taram that, oh, hey, like if you spend your prime here alongside Bruno, alongside Isak, blah, blah, we'll blah. We'll get like, there. We'll we're get gonna there. Be a, like, I think you can sell him on, right. hey, if we're, we're in Europa right now, but next season, like at the end of the season, we're, we're going to be top four. Like you can sell a player like him on that because he's – I mean, Bruce and Gladbach, you know, great club, but again, they're not as they're not a consistent, you know, Champions League contender. So, like, you know, you're not super concerned. But Brian Diaz, uh, for example, is played. He's at AC Milan right now, and he's his home club's Real Madrid. So you have to be already in Champions League for him to even be sniffing and making and and, and considering that. So, like, of the two, Taram, I think is the more likely one because I think that it's easier to convince him to buy into a project because the backing's there, the players are there, et cetera, et cetera, versus his home club. And then Diaz, I think, is a different story where his home club is stacked and will likely be winning La Liga in, in uh, not this season, but winning La Liga in years to come as well as playing in Champions League and potentially winning Champions League. Like I think that's that's a different story. And then one one other attacker for you, uh, Diaby, this is not a BS meter one. It's just a, we've, we've talked about Diaby at length here before, but apparently there is a 60 million pound price tag for Diaby. Diaby, is that worth it for you? 
Musa Diaby of Leverkusen, who also at Champions League this this past season did pretty well in their campaign, uh, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, I the funny thing is you, I I wouldn't have said that Gordon was worth forty five. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Gordon will just from the limited viewing that I've had of him so far. I think he's going to play himself into that value. Sixty might be a steal for Diaby, to be honest oh, with you. For sure, yeah. You know, I, and, I agree. And so I think, you know, by the by that metric again, like if things should fall through on the on the first two options for an attacking player from the from the left, Diaby would be a great option. I'd love to see him. Um, yeah, yeah. I have one to add to your list if you. Oh, I've got one more. It oh. might be the one you have. Okay. I've just heard about it's, it today. It yeah, it's the same one I probably heard about. My boy McSauce. Scott McTominay. Is that who you had? No, I've got another oh. one for you. Scott okay. McTominay, well, though. Okay. Yeah, Scott so, McTominay is mm. is a classic, and this is the one where I think there's low BS on this because he's a classic Eddie Howe, I want this player, I'm gonna get him type of guy where yeah. He has underperformed this year at Manchester United. I don't think anyone is debating that. I think Newcastle fans are saying that loud and clear, similar to Anthony Gordon. But you look at the overall body of work for Scott McTominay, you look at other seasons with Manchester United, he has been decent. He's been fine. And uh, what Scott McTominay does bring to the table is that he's an athletic you know, according to Premier League Sanders, maybe not as athletic in my opinion as like a Tyler Adams, but he's an athletic player that uh, can play as a six and push Bruno forward, which I think is the priority when you're looking at any midfielder right now. I think that it doesn't make sense to go after any other eights. Just get a get a six in that can push Bruno forward, allow him to cook as an eight. I don't know what the pricing's looking like, but it is Manchester United. Um, I want to say Luke Edwards uh, uh, might have been the one to to have this scoop officially first. He and he kind of was in the same vein of, "Hey, like I know this isn't a the signing that Newcastle fans want, but no, this is the profile of player that Eddie Howe has wanted at Newcastle." And so it'll be a interesting situation where mm-hmm. the board has gone with Eddie Howe, straight up profile player with Anthony Gordon. And so far, like there's a lot to be proved there. So we won't get into that. And, and again, Kieran Trippier fits the Eddie Howe mold as well. But then you have kind of the, uh, the, the Newcastle scouting department, flashy, uh, young guys that they also see as just high potential guys that also uh, could potentially be on the table. And so just curious to see, like, and that's like your Sven Botmans, your Brunos, those kinds of guys. It's kind of interesting to see where Newcastle go with this number six position. Do they kind of stick with, uh, you know, trying to go after like a Moises Caicedo as they were linked to earlier. And that's more of the mold of what the scouting department has, has brought to the table of, Mm-hmm. This guy is not completely premier Premier League proven, but you see the potential there, and they likely will be very good. Or do they go the Eddie Howe route of like I've seen this player in the Premier League, I know that they may not be having the best season so far, or may be underutilized in this current role, but I know I can get the best out of them. And so that's where we are with McTom, and I think he fits that mold. Josh, any thoughts on? McSauce as uh, my Manchester United friends. Why not? Why not both? <laughs> you know what I mean. If if yeah. if you could get a steal on McTominay, if you could get a if you could get a reduced price based on his performance this year was down. Yeah. 
you know, does, does he, does he fit what, you know, Ten Hag has going on with the club going forward for, for Manchester United. Maybe you could talk them down a little bit. Let me take that off your hands for you. You know, like he doesn't fit what you want to do. We'll make him work over here. I guess, I guess we'll take him, you know, and if you get a steal on a player like that and still have money and, you know, money in the bank to go get, um, your, your spicy, you know, your shirt seller, you know, who's going to sell the most kits, you know, why not both? And yeah. uh, oh, let me give you, or, or just not even a shirt seller. Just like Edson Alvarez is not going to be a shirt seller, but that's a player Newcastle have been linked to. He's a number six Mexican guy at Ajax who definitely looks to be ready to make the leap to the next level. Oh man, whether yeah. that's at Premier League or La Liga or whatever. Like, but he would be a you know he's not going to be your Premier League ready type of plug and play player. That like, let's be real. Like as much as people want to dog McTominay. He is a Premier League ready midfielder that would improve this midfield. Oh, he'd have he zero. He'd be, have zero adjustment he, time. You know, he oh, would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He he may not be the sexy like high potential signing, but he is better than the depth we currently have, which is right yeah. now we have no number six. So, in my opinion, you bring in a guy who can play the number six and play it somewhat competently, even if it's not perfect. That's better than not having a six at all. Yeah, no, I'm, so, I'm, ha- I'm happy to have him not, you know, yeah. but I just, I, I don't doubt that again, depending on where we finish, we may sign somebody. And here's the one that I heard today okay. was, uh, was, uh, Nicolas Williams, Arthur, also known oh. as Nico Williams, the brother of oh. Inaki Williams at Athletic Club Bilbao. Oh yeah. I did see this. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Nico. And, and you know, I love Inaki Williams. I've loved Inaki, my yeah. doppelganger. Uh, people, people who have seen me in real life know that I look very similar to him. So uh, Ra- Ram- a rampaging forward for Athletic Club Bilbao. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nico, no. who who got the Spain national team call up, right? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, for the World Cup, this is. I love the. I love the Wikipedia page. Says this is. For the Welsh footballer, please see Neko Williams. And so I just wanted to make sure we understood that the the rumor I heard was about Nico Williams of Okay, yeah, not Athletic Neko, not they, Neko they actually of Forest. Do not look alike either as well. No, That's um, something to, 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 to mention. Surely both are supreme footballers compared to any effort I may give, but I think Nico has a higher ceiling, and I would love to see I think Nico Williams at 20, 21 years old, something like that, when he gets, when or if he were to move to a team like Newcastle, that guy could sell shirts. I think, I think he could sell, I think he could sell ice to Eskimos. Like, um, just a, just a really exciting flash player. And for all of the Eddie Howe profile players, you know, it's, I think we, if we step up with two, three in two or three positions next year, you could afford to have a young flashy guy come in and just like blow the league away. It would be super fun to finally be that team that has the player that everybody else is really scared of. Yeah. I think all that also, and this is my only hesitation to this move. And again, love the move, love the player, love his brother. Um, my only hesitation is at that number nine position, I think what I think there still needs to be some some stability. And so if Alexander Isak finishes the season, I think if he gets a double digit goals, you can make the argument that you can go out and get another young, hot prospect that is a goal scorer. Like I think you can make that argument. 
But if Isak doesn't get to that double digit mark, and again, I think that's just, this is just my my brain, my mind right now. I think that Newcastle are going to try to sign another Callum Wilson type player to sure out that 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 uh that attack, just because Callum Wilson, as we've already mentioned on this podcast a bajillion times, just not healthy enough to really contend with Isak and push him to the level that I think Newcastle want him to be. And while he is Premier League ready, Premier League vet, blah, 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 it's still not it's it's not consistent enough because he's been so injured. So I think that's that's the only pushback I have for Nico is that like will Newcastle be able to afford to have another development type forward who again I think and you think and I think a lot of people think will be an absolute star. Can they afford to give that developmental minutes out, or do they need a surefire, mm. Premier League ready number nine for when Isak goes through a dry spell, or when um, you know the attack is not looking the way that it should be? Now, I haven't heard any rumors on this, so I'm not looking to start a rumor. Okay, but much like the return of well, Alan Shearer was a different story when he came yeah. back to Newcastle, but Ivan Tony. Would you would you have him back? You know, I mean, I would. I, I it, it honestly depends on how his gambling situation shakes yeah. out. Mm-hmm. I think there there's a few Newcastle. I, I'll say this: there's a couple Newcastle former strikers in which, if they came back to the club, I think that I'd be fine with. And Mitro's obviously one. Like I'm, I'm a big Mitro fan. He I didn't think. he just get sent off? Doesn't still, matter. I love he's him. still the same guy. What about he's Poppy Cisse? Guy, Poppy Cisse still scoring goals. And I think in the in, in the in the second in the Liga Deux, which is wild because <laughs> Emmanuel Adebayor just retired. So like that that's just perspective. But I mean, yeah, obviously Mitro had his falling out this week, and th- I don't want to get into that because that's a whole nother discussion. Because Bruno Fernandez is something similar and was not sent off, but we're we're not going to go into mm. detail on that. Um, but I mean, like Mitrovic take that aside has been banging in goals for Fulham looks very much like a premier league striker that can handle the premier league. And, and, and I say this as someone who was a Mitro is a championship striker guy for the longest, but he has obviously proven me wrong. Like he scores in the prem. Like it's just, it happened. It's, it's happened for two seasons in a row. So like he's a premier league ready striker and Ivan Tony, same thing. Like I thought he was going to be a bang on championship guy has done well in the Premier League. His suspension stuff, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what the deal is with there, but yeah, I take either one of those guys back at Newcastle this summer. Like I I for 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 sure. Lovely, lovely to hear. I I I hope we get somebody cool. Yeah, cool. Well, that is all I've got. Um we went a, an hour and a half after I said this was going to be a shorter episode, but I think it was we did it. it. We did it. It, it, it. it's, you know, we are really good at just wasting people's time. That's that's our goal. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, uh, Josh, you got anything else to add? I know I'm all set for the week. I can't wait to uh, to not have to wake up super early this weekend. But uh, oh, yeah. I look forward to getting some news and notes ready for the the United match. We'll we'll do a preview of that. And the thing is, I think that they also have a match shortly thereafter. So we what we might want to do is uh, is do two previews we might want to do a preview of united and then do a preview of west ham depending on what our schedule for recording will be the week after united yeah sure sounds good all right um well i'm elijah that's josh that's been another episode of ch and radio um have a wonderful 
international break we might have something dropping mid international break we'll let you know but if not away the lads and uh we love you guys Looking at the old time bridge, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher tend in the rain. I'm coming home. To be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're body and we're hard to understand. And they say it's just self pity and we're not so very tough. Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home. I wish I'd never been a weird I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how weird I'm coming home And I miss the old blind busker Who stands at Phoenix door He plays a mean accordion You've all seen him there before the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindis Vaughn in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wing. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Hey, how weird. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale, I'm coming home.